in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the rejuvenated Glenn Stansberry. I am rejuvenated, Brian. That's a very astute observation. I went to, uh, I took the day, hung out with my wife and two daughters, mm. went to Kaleidoscope. I have a new, a Kaleidoscope is a place for kids to cut paper and make crafts. Ah. So I feel like a new man. Is that in uh, Kansas City? It is, yeah. Mm. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Basically, the Hallmark, the company, ah. takes a whole bunch of extra crap that they haven't used and gives it away as supplies until you go and you... I see. The kids just go nuts. So that's where my $6 card money is going to. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Financing this frivolous creativity for kids movement. Dude, you should have seen the sweet crown I made. Mm. It was... It was. It's not just for kids. Apparently I mean, not. I was shoving kids out of the way. You gotta get those scissors. Right. That's the hot commodity there. Mm. And the tape. But anyway. Yeah. yeah, I feel good. What about you? Do you good. feel good? I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... It's been a hell of a last few days. Yeah. Lots of... <clears throat> lots of lows and highs. Mostly lows. Mm. Well, I mean, aside from the lows, yes. how do you feel? Uh, aside from the lows, um, then I, I would say I feel somewhat normal. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah. All so, right. Um, so anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you gotta, I gotta, uh, let me, let me put my character uh, face on here. You get, you get back into fighting form here. Method acting. The method acting. <laughs> What's your motivation? My motivation uh, is a very jolly Brian McKinney. There it is. Okay. Right now. Okay. Okay. And here I am. Hey, there he is. There I am. There okay. he is. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Glenn, it's been a, it's been a great couple of days yeah, recently. Just, I mean, some of the best ever. Yep. Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of best ever, mm-hmm. Glenn... Uh, we're co-founders of a site called Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com is the best site on the internet. We can't prove it with facts yet, but we're getting closer. Uh, science has not evolved to the point. Right. Uh, but I would say that in 10 to 12 years, mm-hmm. uh, we will have the actual uh, scientific information to back up that statement. So it's coming. Yeah. Maybe not exist yet, but hey, look, you can't... If somebody said, you know, back in the 80s, oh... Here's an iPod. Right. You know what I mean? What's this thing? What, yeah, this is this is not real. Just go to my VCR? Right. Exactly. Yeah. My beta, Betamax? Yeah. No. yeah. Uh, so anyway, Glenn, that's coming. But let me tell you something. It is the best site on the internet. So you need to go over to gentleman.com, uh, go around the site, click on some stuff, browse some stories, read some stories, enlighten yourself mm-hmm. with gentleman.com. Uh, and once you're enlightened and you want to put your mind back in the crapper... You can go over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can follow along with all the links we talk about in this show and you can uh, do a couple other things. See, listen to some other episodes, uh, see some of the previous beers that the MTS computer is rated, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
uh, if you want to get in touch with the Gentleman Podcast, I have some big news on this front, Glenn. Uh, we have officially joined uh, the new information age. Okay. And uh, we actually, for the first time ever, we are accepting posts to the gentleman, the newly minted gentleman parlor. That's right. As uh, as 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 you know, questions to the gentleman mailbag can now come electronically via mm-hmm. our website. It's almost as good. It's almost as good. Not quite. Um, I will say that we have gotten some smart ass questions. Uh, I'm going to address those. Oh, oh, I didn't. Wait, which smart ass question? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to address all the questions. Later. Oh, okay. We, we got two oh. questions from the gentleman mailbag <clears throat> okay. this okay. week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we're going to address both of them. So we're going to talk about that. Okay, excellent. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that. But anyway, Glenn, uh, let's instead of that, let's get to the first part of the episode, which is the drink of the week. My favorite part of the episode. Your favorite part of the episode. Let's do some drinking. That sounds good. That'll make the podcast go a lot better. All right, so it's my turn to pick up the beers. Yes. And, uh, man, i got to say, my my eyes lit up when I saw one of my favorite breweries had a beer that I had yet to try. And it's Deschutes Armory Experimental Pale Ale. And Deschutes... uh, Snappy name. ...is the the home of... uh, of uh, the highest rated beer in the Gentleman Podcast thus far, uh-huh. the Jubilee, which should yeah. be it's you know almost September, so it should be coming around uh, in uh, shelves any time, any day. Well, it's now. August. <laughs> you should. I mean, it's got to be in the stores, <laughs> right? Now. It's back to school. It's time to start thinking about Christmas, right? Um, but no, we picked up the uh, or I picked up the Armory XPA, and the X stands for Experimental Pale Ale, and it is a is um, this like a government funded experimental, right? Right. Project? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. They. Uh, I, I heard it's. I've heard that they like stuck people with needles and stuff, and you know, took readings as they're drinking it to make sure you know. I read you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so who knows what will happen? We may have you know, zoysia grass for a pubic hair mm. uh, in the next couple of days. But uh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, enough about that. So let's talk about the beer itself. No, let's talk about that some more. Well, um, <laughs> I immediately regret saying anything about that uh, <laughs> this is a uh, it's called experimental because they actually brewed it in their um, Portland pub which I've been to went to mm-hmm. last year it was awesome and um, and basically they're just trying this out they're just trying this uh, pale ale out okay. and they actually want you this is pretty cool I'm at the website the shoots website and they want to know like what you think about it and fill out a 30 second survey and uh, your feedback will go to making the beer better Cool. So about their hops, they use and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, it's five point nine percent on the uh, alcohol volume, mm-hmm. fifty five IBUs. This Ooh, is oh boy, that's sixties are cut off. Not our style. <laughs> well, sixties are cut off. Yeah, and Deschutes usually makes a smoother, kind of sweeter beer. We can handle anything in the fifties. That's right. But anything beyond that, that's right. Uh, you're gonna see some crazy stuff start happening. Yeah, it's yeah. The MTS doesn't like that. You know, it just it just can't. Well, when we developed the machine learning, it you know started with an algorithm we created, so naturally it has a human bias already. It does. Is, so anyway, but it's become self-aware. Yes. So mm-hmm. anyway, maybe it's turned into a snob. I don't know. Yeah. So I and don't know. just in case you're wondering, a bottle has 192 calories in it. Okay. Well, that's irrelevant so to the MTS. It's going to go straight calories. to my hips, is yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, how much was the price on this thing? The price was uh, $9.99. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, Deschutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit more. 
I think yeah. it's more of a limited edition kind of thing. They're usually pretty middle of the road, maybe a little bit more expensive. I think they're usually like eight ninety nine is kind of their thing around here in the mm-hmm. mid- Middle West. The Middle West. The flyover states. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Brian, I thought we'd uh, yeah. crack this guy open and, mm-hmm. and see what happens. Now, do they have a homebrew recipe for this? Uh, they have... They have... They do. They do. They give a homebrew recipe. It's right here. Yeah. One of the great things about the Deschutes Brewery is that on their website, all of their beers, they have a breakdown of a homebrew recipe you can make that mimics what they do. What a great resource for people to learn how to brew beer. They can get like try a, try a real you know a commercial brew beer and then try to make one themselves and do some A/B testing. Yeah, you can. The, yeah, if, if you're not in a homebrewing, like it's pretty cool because on the Deschutes website, they give the type of yeast you're supposed to buy, the type of malts, the types of hops. So mm-hmm. they don't give you like exact. You know, like it'd be nice to know the ratio. Of the they have five different hops going on, so mm-hmm. it'd be nice to know the, the ratios of each one, but. Yeah. You know, you got to make do with what you got, so... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Glenn, well, let's crack these open and get started with this, because I'm thirsty. <laughs> Brian is thirsty. Oh, and it won a 2015 International Brewing Award. Gold. Gold. So, you but, know, my friend? You know, those awards, they're nothing compared to uh, what the MTS is going to... That's right. Pretty soon. They'll Pretty know soon. for sure. That'll be better than an award at some schmancy... We should... Uh, we should... <laughs> If they're asking for uh, some feedback on this, we should send them a link to our podcast and say, hey, we reviewed the beer for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hey, check out this rating. Yeah. You deserved it. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that is... Mm. It's hoppy. That's pretty hoppy. It is hoppy. But it's not bitter. It's hard to explain. I guess it's a little bitter. Second drink's better. That's a good big drink. <laughs> I actually yeah. like this quite a bit. I do too. For a Man. hoppy beer, it's like it's like a it's got like a fruity kind of citrus thing going on there. And that's actually what they usually describe it: floral and tropical notes, perfect, perfectly balanced. I would. That's a pretty good description of it. It is very balanced. It's it's a little hoppier than I'd like. I wish it was like in the forties or something on the hops. But yeah, other than that. Pale ales, though, they, they, they top out pretty high on the hop scale. Yeah, I'm sitting here complaining about a pale ale that's too hoppy. <laughs> it's still quite tasty. Yeah. Man. Okay. This is real good. I like this, actually. For a pale ale, that's, that's really that's good. That's pretty good. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, if you had to uh, put a hmm. arbitrary rating that you came up with to this beer, the uh, Deschutes Armory, what would, you, uh, what would you put on there? I think I would give it a 90. I'm zero. sorry, a 9.0. A 9.0. See, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've been getting this parlor thing that we introduced last week. It's opened the floodgates. It really has. Uh, All kinds of comments. We, we got a question from our good buddy Trick Joe, mm-hmm. questioning my usage of some vernacular right. associated with the well, MTS, the mustache twist scale that we use to rate <clears> our beers. He was, he, was, he was concerned that maybe the scale was being washed out. By converting it to a 10x uh, multiplier, 10x multiplier of the original scale. So, uh, look, I think that I think his concern was was well founded. I, this has been something that I've been worried about for a long time. Uh, taking scientific data from a computer and trying, as humans, and adding to, a decimal to you know talk about it. Uh, naturally, there's some human error that's gone on there. So, well, I would, okay. Well, anyway. Whether we say 83 
or eight point three. Right. What what do we decide on? Eight point three. Eight point three is the so official, it's ten point scale. It's a ten point scale. It's like it's like getting judged in a diamond competition. Right. Okay. But you can't compare eight point three to eighty seven. That would be a bad comparison. You mean eight point seven? No. Like you can't. You can, his point was how could you compare? No, that's not his point. My point is. <laughs> If we give a, or the MTS, Mm -hmm. I should say, gives a beer an Mm 8.7 versus another beer that it gives a 87. Oh, I see. Hard to compare them. I see. Unless you know that really it's a 10 point scale. Right. All right. So just for clarification's sake, it's a 10 point scale. So you're going to say 9.0? I'm going to say 9.0, Brian. Um, Cool. I was going to go with an 8.9. Really? Yes. Pretty wow. high on this. I'm, I'm pretty, I feel good. I'm I feel pretty good. high on this. So um, I was going to go with 8.9. Um, so we're pretty close. Pretty close there. Uh, Deschutes gets another high rating from us. Man. But, Glenn, uh, that really doesn't matter at all. No, it Because we're about to feed all this information into a big room-sized computer. The mustache with sales. <sighs> the mustache... <laughs> I about dumped your beer back. all over my computer. Woo. The mustache with scale computer. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get some feedback on what the actual empirical scientific rating for this beer is, Glenn. Okay. Okay, so let's start with some facts. I'm going to type this into the mainframe here. Uh, you said that the IBUs were 55. Yes, IBUs were 55. The price was 9.99. That's right. Um, the alcohol content was 5.9%. Okay. And there were 195 calories. 192. 192 calories in this beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although we don't know the degrees Play-Doh, um, mm-hmm. we, I think the MTS has enough uh, information to know what the, uh, what the score is going to be. That's right. So we just have to wait here for one sec. It's going to print out, and then I'm going to read you the actual empirical score for the Deschutes Armory XPA. Oh, man. So refreshing. Okay, I got the uh, grab the printout here off the printer. Mm-hmm. Flip over to some page slate in this. Okay, it's a little notch. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you go. Okay, uh, the uh, the MTS computer says that the Armory Ale eight point nine five. Wow, that's a pretty high score. That is when you're when you're. Knock on the door of the 90s. You're in rarefied air. Yeah, they are. And the Shoots has a couple of beers up there. So, um... We should we be surprised? No, we no. shouldn't. We shouldn't. We um, go to the well, and every time... Yeah. We get something back. I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with this one. So, uh, anyway. Uh, okay, Glenn. So, you hopped on over to Beersnob.com while we were waiting on the MTS computer. What I does did. Beersnob.com have to say about this Well, beer? Brian, it should only go to show... Or, I mean, it figures that we rate something high, and they... Rate it not so highly. Yeah. Well, you know, we rate something kind of low. Mm-hmm. They'd love it. Right. So, shouldn't be surprised that they gave the Armory XPA a 86. Oh. You know? They well, missed the mark a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. They're not exactly William Teller where they are. They? Yeah. It's, you know. Well, I'm not too worried about the snobs. I'm not. I'm not. And this is from 117 people. If you're if you're not a snob, you will enjoy this beer. That's right. Let's just put it that way. Uh, okay, Glenn. Let's get some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right. Well, batting in the leadoff is uh, Demon. 
Mm. Our good buddy Demon mm-hmm. has posted a link. And um, it is titled, Canadian Man Sorry for Chugging Eight Beers and Swimming to Detroit. And if that didn't catch you... This is a great line. <laughs> that, that instantly pulled me in. You know, it wasn't going to be good if it was just man sorry for chugging eight beers. It was no. Canadian man right. sorry for chugging eight beers and swimming to Detroit. And he's got a priceless picture on the first <laughs> page. It's just like... Well, you know, I'm he, sorry. You know, he looks like the guy who plays Handsome Dan in Wayne's World. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yeah, the best of show. Well, anyway, so Handsome Dan, uh, who's actually John Morillo, a 47 year old Canadian, um, decided. Uh, let's see here. This was about a week ago um, that he would have about eight beers. And then um, swim across the Detroit River. And Brian and I have been doing some research on how wide the Detroit River is. And we don't know. We're not sure. But All we did ascertain was that they picked him up on his way back after being gone for two hours swimming. So he was, like, headed back to Canada <laughs> from, you know, from Detroit. Right. And it was two hours later. So I would say that's a quite a long ways. Yes. Or he was just taking his time. Maybe yeah. doing maybe, the, maybe you know, just treading water, doing some backstrokes. Yeah, backstrokes. When you have eight beers, but you know. the, the, the so the uh, Windsor Star caught up with him. That mm. reputable newspaper, of course. I read it every day. And after he was <laughs> so after he was released from jail, the Star caught up with him, and uh, he thought, you know, that in hindsight, it might have been a little stupid to try to swim two hours across a river. Right. Uh, it turns out that he was swimming in something called shipping lanes, mm. um, which are pretty dangerous because well for one there's big ships that go back and forth right and two uh the undertow is quite strong so ah. it's pretty actually pretty pretty good that he he managed to make it to the other side mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively right um so he uh but he's got a, a great quote um and he says look i gotta pay fines and stuff but i don't want it to sound like i didn't make it because then my buddy's gonna say haha you didn't make it because that was the whole thing to show them that I could do it. So he's yeah. The only thing he cares about is the fact that it's known that no, he made it. Well, it, it's not like he like jumped in there and he got ten feet and the coast guard had to come. Right. He, no, he, he was, was about ten feet from the shore yeah. when they when they caught him. He wasn't far from the Canadian side when they caught him coming back. <laughs> uh, and if you're wondering why they arrested him, it's because they had to do a joint search mission between the Canadian and U.S. Coast Guards after his neighbor called the police after losing sight of him in the water. So, oh, I mean, man. you involve the Coast Guard. They've got to go out there and get you. You're going to get arrested. And he got charged with something and public intoxication because he was drunk. And he got fined uh, $5,000 for swimming in a shipping channel. Yes. So, um, anyway. Mr. Mr. Murillo said that, uh, quote, the harbormaster was extremely mad at me. I don't know. Maybe they pulled him out of bed or something. <laughs> the best part is in these pictures, he's wearing this silly ass Disney shirt. Disney shirt with Mickey Mouse and it says Disney 08. It's like the most ridiculous shirt. Some kind of athletic shorts. Well, anyway. anyway. So good to know. Uh, if you have eight beers and you try to swim across to across the border in the Detroit River... Uh, you get you get slapped around pretty good, and I should add that this actually this story came out. I, I was mistaken. Uh, it came out three years ago. Oh wow! So still hasn't let, let it down. So the 08 shirt was only five years okay, old. Okay, so point. only oh yeah. So, so that's a yeah. We should correct that right now. Uh, sorry, I don't want to get any angry John, letters. 
You know? Yeah, oh yeah. I don't want this guy writing this. Don't up. put anything in the parlor about this. Yeah. All right? Um, Let's talk about uh, something very serious. Okay. Um, and look, I'm going to get this out of the way right away. I This is something that I posted to the gentlemen.com uh, because uh, this is something I think that everybody should be aware of. People need to know. Um, and this is called Scientists Figure Out How to Turn Pee into Beer. Um, and this is an article <laughs> on a website called eater.com. And, uh, this, they've been on the mint quite a bit. Yeah. This is a, it's, it's a, it's like, if you've ever heard of Vox, yep. you know, it, and the Verge and stuff like that, that's, I think it's one of those companies. Anyway, um, basically the gist of it is this Belgian scientists have devised a way of turning pee into beer. Researchers at the University of Ghent successfully transformed urine into water and fertilizer using solar power. The resulting water can then be used to make Belgium's favorite beverage, beer. Now, uh, apparently the urine is collected in a big tank heated (laughs) heated with a solar power boiler. That's good. Before passing through a membrane where the water is recovered and the nutrients such as potassium, nitrogen, and phosphorus are separated, this process has already been utilized at a recent music festival to turn thousands of attendees pee into a thousand liters of water to destined to become beer. Destined? Destined to become beer. Beer of destiny. Pee of destiny. Yeah. So when you're reading off the... <clears throat> the Reuters explanation of how the beer is actually made. Yeah. It sounds a lot like drinking a beer. The urine, yeah. It's collected in a big tank. Right. It's heated in a solar power boiler, a.k.a. Right. your stomach. Right. Before passing through a membrane, where the water is recovered and nutrients are separated. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. You yeah. know? Kind of a full circle there. The uh, the aim of this is to install larger, larger versions of this machine in sports venues or airports. There's a lot of pee at sports venues and airports. I guess so. They, uh, you know, they really identify the source of uh, large amounts. So are they supply? Man, <laughs> I really, I don't. The, the problem don't, is you have to disclose at some point, don't you? That this this beer was made from pee. Uh, I don't know. Do we just stop doing the MTS at that point? Is it just futile to try to keep up with a society? I mean, that continually tries technically, to use human excrement, excrement. Technically, it's just water, right? It's like purified water. It's been boiled, so... Pee? Yeah. I mean... It's been boiled and separated. It's sterile. Yes. Well, I, ha- I mean, there's still stuff that's in the pee when it goes out. Well, that's why it's yellow or brown or whatever. That's been boiled and separated, though, with the membrane. <laughs> I know all about this. <laughs> yeah. So would you drink... Anything that you knew was sourced from. Because there's also the idea that we have, like, the water treatment facilities and stuff like that. That's true. I'd, I would drink my own pee beer. Drink your own. Yeah, because I know where it's else's. been. I know where it's been. Right. <laughs> this, yeah, this, this beer I has think, a faint aroma of chicken wings. I think... Oh. <laughs> See... It's a bit nutty. Hmm, asparagus. <laughs> Um, that would ruin the whole batch. Yeah, it would. Um, yeah, this is this is interesting, but I don't really see the point. Um, I think it's just so they... Yeah, the whole process kind of... Uh, 
seems like you just start with uh, how how would the Puritan law of uh, the 1700s uh, from this country basically? Who's to say a monk didn't accidentally, you know, once or twice stand uphill and hey, if you uh, if you need the forget that you know there's a tank below and yeah, what is it Waterworld where he's uh, <laughs> yeah yeah Kevin Costner the, yeah got the sta- yeah okay <laughs> so yeah we're making Costner beer uh, yeah it should be called Waterworld Waterworld <laughs> that should be their company is what it should be called um, okay Glenn well I, I just wanted to get that out there and make sure everybody is aware of this as possible be on the lookout. If you're if you're attending a music festival, there might be some shifty scientist uh, hooking into the plumbing and making beer. You know, Brian. Look, I think we should support these people who who want to go for this. Mm-hmm. These pegans are um, <laughs> groundbreaking visionaries, <laughs> and uh, you know we shouldn't discriminate against pegans. No, so pegans are just like us, just like us. <laughs> um, kind of, kind of. Uh, so anyway, well, excellent link, uh, but I don't want to. I'll be sitting. I'll be sitting. It's good and bad. It's bittersweet. It is. I <laughs> probably more bitter than sweet. More sweet than bitter. <laughs> more bitter than sweet. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go to the next one. <clears throat> Trig Joe, the man who's causing a ruckus in the parlor. Yeah. Has weighed in with a link from Inhabitat. Room with a view? Check. Bathroom? Check. Walls? Ceiling? Not so much. Right. And he's referencing a um, a hotel that you can get in the Swiss Alps. That his... The views are breathtaking. They're mm-hmm. spectacular. Beautiful views. Incredible. I don't know how many stars this hotel has. But I do know how many rooms it has. Mm-hmm. And it's one. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is the Nolstern Hotel is uh, what we would call, I'm using air quotes here, a minimalist hotel. And that it doesn't have a wall. It doesn't have any walls, a roof, or a bathroom. And it's set 6,000 feet above sea level overlooking the beautiful Swiss Alps, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. But um, the... Uh, so, yeah, you have a... A bed, a some very nice looking lamps. Yeah, um, nice looking tiled floor, two end tables, and then hillside. Right. So you could be sleeping on this uh, hotel in this hotel room, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and a sheep could come up to you in the middle of the night, and start right. gnawing on your sheets. It, yeah, or worse, or something else. Yeah, um, I, I. I don't. I don't know, Brian. Would you stay in this? Oh, by the way, let me give you the price here because everything's relative. Right. Uh, actually, a couple of things. One, um, the group uh, translates into zero stars, and that has a tagline: "Null Stern, the only star is you." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they give you that. Um, the cost is two hundred fifty-three dollars a night. Not bad um, for that kind of view. It's kind of like glamping, and it looks like the butler is a local farmer. Somewhere in the article, it, they, they they mention that you get a butler, yes, to uh, make you breakfast in bed, but they don't mention where he sleeps at <laughs> while this goes on. The nearest bathroom is a ten minute walk away. Yep, and uh, this is the it's this is like I think real, but they mention it's based on an art project that was originally created 
the Noel Stern thing originally started in 2009 to 2010. These two brothers did a hotel out of a former nuclear bunker. And it was like an eco-luxury hotel Mm -hmm. that operated for two years. Uh, And this is kind of a new concept. And the idea they had with this was like, it's it's all about being out in the middle of a breathtaking view, basically. Which you are. Yes. Uh, And you can also cancel at very short notice if there's bad weather. So Yes, which... (laughs) Yeah, that, I could see where that would be a problem. Right. Or any any weather, right. for that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, even even camping is hard when there's bad weather. So right. this has no no yep. wall or membrane. I think my only thing, my only situation with this is, like, I don't know what kind of animals are in that area. <laughs> you know? Because, like, with the tent, you're a little bit protected, you know, from critters or whatever in the night. Yeah. Um, not bears or anything like that, but, you know. Uh, so you, I mean, you could wake up with like a, you know, weasel on your chest <laughs> or something. A rock weasel. Uh, yeah. Swiss Mount, weasel. A mountain <laughs> Swiss weasel. A Scandinavian. Also called a banker. Yeah. They'd have like the, you know, yeah. outfit on. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We, we can't look, you gotta, this <sighs> Swiss weasel. Hey. <laughs> you're out there exposed you're that's right you're at the mercy of the elements yeah, exactly uh i so this could have been a hot button topic actually for this could have been because it's ridiculous yet yeah, people are gonna pay for this i think so um no i'm sure they will it's I, a beautiful view i'd love to hike there yeah mm-hmm. if there were just you know four walls around it maybe a roof i'd be all about it but yeah it looks very very nice yeah, it does. Really? Yeah. It's just missing Well, we some should walls. go stay there, Glenn. Yeah. It's you and me. Go check this out. Well, how do we get a hold of Noel Stern? All these guys. Whoa. Okay, Glenn. Well, we'll have to follow up on that. This is ridiculous. I need to take a vacation. Maybe I'll go Maybe I'll go sleep at the Noel Stern Hotel. There you go. You and your closest friends. Yes. Swiss Badgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Glenn. Thanks for Trigjo for posting that, and also bringing to our attention the uh, disparaging, uh, pro- or not disparaging, the tragedy of the mixed-up scale of the MTS. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Trigjo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like Ryan that your response in the parlor to Trigjo's question, just honest, to the MTS was, I, I would say, uh, a bit pointed. A bit pointed. Um, I don't know. In my direction. Um, kind of like you felt the blame was on in, in, in my court. Uh, yeah. Well. It was in your court. Well, I don't know. I mean, are, are you when, on record at all I, saying 83 as opposed you to 8.3? Have, have you ever have given audio a 10x files. multiplier? I have audio files <laughs> where I can go back. Will you correct me? Where where I go when I go back through, I'll check the audio files and see who says eight point versus eight something eighty three. <laughs> now keep in mind that I have access to these audio files. That's true. So my voice might drop in and be like, <laughs> "I think it's a eight point three." <laughs> Never know. And that's a, hold. depending on how good I'm, I am at editing yeah. stuff out. Yeah. But um, anyway, Glenn, that's neither here nor there. We got it fixed. Thanks to Trig Joe. We got it all worked out. It's you, all 
I didn't even. Clear. I had not thought about it. Mm. I, it's okay. I, it's that's okay. that's what this is for to keep us exactly. honest. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. We can take the criticism. We can. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I, long as it's directed towards Glenn. That's right. It's fine. That's right. You know? I can take it. Right. I can take it. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the uh, toast this week. Yes. And this is a this is an interesting toast. This is uh, indescribable, really, because this is it's long overdue. Not only a man. But also, it's a brand that really isn't the man that we're really toasting. It's, it's what he stands for. It's what he stands for. <laughs> Low prices. Low prices. Uh, and Glenn, I want to do a toast this week to Charles Shaw. Charles Shaw. Charlie. Uh, some people might know who that is. Some people might not. Uh, Charles Shaw is the man on the label of the famous Two Buck Chuck Wine, yes, at Trader Joe's. That's right, two BC, and uh, yeah, you know me. Charles Shaw is the the brand name you see and know and love if you go to get cheap wine because that's pretty much the cheapest wine you can get um, I've, I've, without spitting out immediately. And I, I, you know, crying. I, I was for a long time. I was confused as to whether or not Charles Shaw was cheaper than getting a box of wine, and it's significantly cheaper than getting a box of wine. Yes, <laughs> by like fifty percent. You know. <laughs> Um, so, anyway. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So. There have been some claims. So, yeah. Okay. So, there, this is kind of, uh, yeah. There, there's some interesting twists and turns to this story. But I just want to say, okay, first of all, Charles Shaw is actually a real person. Yes. And he actually did operate a wine, winery uh, in the 90s. Okay. Um, but he he was really into making high-end wine. He had a farm at Na- Napa Valley. And it was, I can't remember what they called it. It was like the... Five buck check? The oh Beaujolais wine, which was uh, he found when he was in Europe, mm. and he moved to Napa Valley to start doing a, a winery in this style, and it didn't it didn't really catch on. And then in the early or like the late eighties, he was going through a divorce, and his winery was heavily in debt, and so he had to sell it in nineteen ninety one, and who steps up? To the plate to buy his name, not the winery, just his name. Uh, none other than Fred Franzia of Franzia wine right. fame, but now he's got his own thing going called Bronco Bronco Wine Company. Did he have Bronco before Franzia, like the actual Franzia line? I think he was part of Franzia, and then he, there was some kind of unceremonious exit or something, or he got moved out of the business or something. I think it's like brothers or something. Huh. It's so or he left to start his own company called Bronco Wine Company. What a great name for a wine. Um anyway, nineteen ninety one he's like, Yeah, I'll buy your name, Charles Shaw. It's got a good name. Like it was it was known as a high end winery at the time, so I was like, I don't know, it might be useful. Put that arrow in my quiver for later. That's right. And sure enough, in two thousand two <laughs> in two thousand two there was a massive uh not massive, but a, a significant um, surplus of wine, and uh, Franzia was able to buy it really cheap, and so mm. he decided at the time to use the name Charles Shaw to brand that wine and partner with Trader Joe's. History was made. That's right. Uh, Fifteen years later, two thousand two, uh, they've sold over eight hundred million bottles of this stuff. Let's. I think about a third of those are from me. I I would agree. Um, so anyway, uh, so Charles Shaw, though, 
the original Charles Shaw. And this is a dual toast because we're talking about both the guy that has his name on everything. The man. And the concept of $3, $2 Three buck wine. chuck. Right. two ninety nine. It's two ninety nine here in Kansas. So I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's... They can't... Well, yeah. Anyway. But so the point is super cheap wine is, is something I can get behind. Yes. Big time. And that's why I wanted to, to put this out there. Um, but anyway, so then, then it, like your mind wonders what happened to, uh, Charles Shaw, you know, like what, what did this guy do? So Charles Shaw moved to Chicago after he sold off, he bankrupted and sold off one and found employment working there as a healthcare software company called HealthBase. In 2003, he considered starting a winery in Southwestern Michigan. He did so founding Order Vineyard, which specializes in reason. Oh, okay. So anyway, he's back at it. Now, he's not getting a dime from this stuff because he sold the rights to his name. And he can't use his name for exactly. the, new, the new winery. Exactly. So he's kind of left out in the cold. But um, So that's a bummer because, you know, but I will say that the whole concept and all the, you know, the whole idea of it was basically France. Yeah. You know, Franzia, whatever yeah. the guy's name is. Um, but anyway, so a couple of things about this real quick that I found interesting. I found this Business Insider article about how... They produce wine that can be uh, <laughs> purchased for. In 2002, you could purchase it for two dollars. Is this is this like watching how hot dogs are made? No, I, no, 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 no. This not, is this do is. Do I not be- want to know this? This is better. Okay. This is better than that. Okay. Oh, so <laughs> so first of all, they have cheap real estate costs. They they moved their so the the original uh, wine. The grape farm was in Napa Valley. They moved to San jo- Joaquin. Joaquin. How do you say that? San yeah, Joaquin. Sure. Valley. Walking. Walk, walking. Yeah. And uh, apparently uh, that's like super cheap. It's like the ghetto to, of wine. It, apparently. Wine valleys. Yeah. So apparently like the real estate's super cheap. <laughs> it looks like a desert. It's like, it's like a desert. <laughs> um, they, they ferment the wine with oak chips as opposed to barrels. Mm. Okay. You know? Okay. I won't. Yeah. I won't throw a fuss about that. Um, cheapest forms of natural cork. They mold pieces of cork together. <laughs> And use a real cork <laughs> veneer on the corks <laughs> to make it look like it's real cork, but it's not really real cork. What is it, like pea gravel? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> Concrete? They, they Obviously, they make the wine in huge quantities, you know? Everything everything is, is like all... It's all machines. So everything's machine. This is actually one of their wineries. And they're not open to the public. It's that, like a it's like a vacuum It looks like something that from exploded. Star Wars. Yeah, it does. Something. It's like all these hoses going everywhere. They cut their shipping costs by using lightweight bottles and cheap cartons. And uh, there's one other one. Oh, so the, the the other thing is they harvest their grapes all with all machines. And other winemakers use people to do that. Yeah. And and so there was like this weird thing out there on the internet that was basically saying that, well, there's like dead animals and like yeah. all kinds of stuff that gets put in with you because you're using machines to harvest it and right. not like a human being to right. you sort that stuff out. How do you know it's not picking a cockroach? And and since then that's uh that was a Huffington Post article that's been mm. deleted since then because there's Ooh. no basis for their Ooh. their uh conclusions on that. There's no evidence of it. Not to say that that hasn't happened, but there's no evidence of it. Objection, your honor. And uh so they quoted the 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 guy that's in charge of the winery but of saying something I'm gonna paraphrase this, okay? Because yeah. I can't find any of these articles. But he's basically like saying, like, oh, if you're worried about that, you shouldn't eat anything ever because yeah? everything ever has that stuff in it. Yeah. So don't worry about it. And yeah. he also said during the fermentation process, anything like that is like 
zapped out, basically. So I had heard that um, on cheaper wine, not necessarily two buck chuck, but they'll use you know like they'll add a bunch of sugar to it, or I I, I know it's part of the fermentation process, mm. but like food coloring mm. and stuff like that to kind of you know make it a little bit more. Yeah. palatable and streamlined there's like a lot of controversy about whether or not people can actually taste the difference between a very inexpensive wine and a expensive wine yeah I, I think I linked up something not too long ago about a there's some weird club of professors at Harvard or something like that and they sip this expensive wine and then as, as like a scientific experiment not so scientific but whatever uh, like a student brought in and said it like switched out the expensive wines for like the cheaper wines and then did a survey and like noted all the results and everything like that. So did they know they were drinking cheaper wine? No. So they thought... Oh, they thought some of them were like the... the oh, this expensive. is exquisite. Yeah, exactly. And it was like the oh, cheapest one. So basically the point is like no one, unless you're like trained in it, yeah. you, you will not understand, you won't be able to pick up on a cheaper wine versus a more My wife, uh, her, let's see, what is some kind of like... Second cousin or uncle or something like that is a sommelier. Really? Um, as a wine sommelier. And I brought a uh, two-buck chuck to a holiday function. As you would. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, everybody loved it, except this one guy who wouldn't even try it. He laughed at it, Brian. He laughed at it. Where is, this, where, where is he a sommelier at? Is he even from, where is it? I think somewhere in Missouri. So take that for what it's worth. Missouri? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Former slave state. Wow. Just saying. Wow. <laughs> How dare he? No, I know. Yeah, I... Uh, <clears throat> no, he, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, you want, we got some... He's like, oh, I'm, o- <clears throat> I'm okay. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I like the shoots. Yep. A lot. Yep. But if I went to your house... Yep. And you poured me a Bud Light... Yep. I'd smile... And drink the entire glass and enjoy it. Well, you like Bud Light. So. No, I don't. I hate Bud Light. Bud but, Light, really? Yeah. Oh, you like Bud. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bud heavy. Sorry. Guy. Yeah, but I'm saying. Sure. My point is. Yeah, it's when you're at a party, and somebody offers you a drink. Exactly. Let's get all snobby about it. No, it's polite. And he wasn't trying to be snobby, but he was being snobby. I don't hate Bud Light. I would drink it, but it's yeah. like I, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's like that's Diet okay. Coke. It's not what you choose. It's not Coke. It's Diet Coke. Yeah, it's not what you choose, but that's okay. You don't need to turn your nose up at it. Somebody's offering you a drink at a party. That's right. You take it and you like it, it. Exactly. even if it's Red Dog. Um, okay, Ooh. Glenn. Well, yes. that means that it's uh, time for the... Um... Hot Buddy! Topic! <laughs> and... Um... Sweet Glenn. Uh, there was an interesting article that I actually posted at gentleman.com. This show is all about me, in fact. Yep. Uh, episode 94 is the episode of Brian McKinney. And this article was about a, a Wall Street Journal uncovered an epidemic. Well, you posted this? Yes. Okay. Um, hmm. The Wall Street Journal hmm. uncovered an epidemic that's going on in this country. And mm-hmm. much like the pea beer, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just a travesty of of many things justice, um, America. Anyway, the point is the, the name of the article is is cargo shorts a '90s epidemic that won't fade away. That's right. Uh, and this this was an article that caught my eye because it's all about cargo shorts and why people should not wear them anymore. And <clears throat> the point is that the, the gist of the article basically is that that during the '90s. 
there were a lot of good things that were going on. Yes. You know, Green Day was on the radio. Uh, oh. Incubus was just starting out. Yep. <laughs> in Omaha, in the streets of Omaha. I don't, know, I don't think they're from Omaha. I think Britney like Spears was... But no, yeah, no. 311 was from Omaha. I say 311. I said Incubus. Oh, yes. Incubus. Yeah. Did I just make up 311 in yes. my head? Yeah. Well, that, uh, but 311 was also... Yeah. 311. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway... Nirvana? But Nirvana was... Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful time. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, due to retailers like Abercrombie & Fitch rising to prominence, mm. uh, many teenagers started flocking to their stores to buy uh, cargo shorts, mm-hmm. which at the time were the height of teenage fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the article talks about how now those teenagers are uh, in their middle 30s and uh, haven't let go of the cargo shorts. Since, Mid to early 30s. Since that time. Uh, they had a couple of scenarios that they, they talked to a couple of couples and, uh, the wives had been throwing, uh, without their husband's knowledge, had been throwing away their cargo shorts because they were so embarrassed about them. And then they talked to another wife who said that, uh, she kind of didn't say anything about it. And then one day her husband came back with some, <laughs> I'm laughing, even thinking about this, <laughs> denim cargo shorts. Yes. And she just, she couldn't lost take it. it. She, she, she totally lost, lost it. it. Yeah. Which is understandable. Because I would lose it too. That's ridiculous. I remember those denim cargo shorts. I think my dad had a pair of them. Where do you get those? Old baby? Yes, old babies where you get them. Uh, okay, so anyway, Glenn, I want to, I want to, I'm a little biased. Because I have literally never worn a pair of cargo shorts. I've That's never impressive. done that. That's impressive. I've never done that. I've never worn a pair of cargo shorts. That's just not. That was never my thing. Have you ever worn a pair of? Sh- have you ever worn a pair of shorts that aren't athletic shorts? In the nineties, I had. I, I did wear shorts for a brief period of time. I was a kid, okay, but not in Look, the last twenty years. I what was. You're I was a young, impressionable kid, and I wasn't thinking right. And I actually wore some shorts okay. for a very short amount of time, okay. but. I have a policy now that I don't wear shorts. Mm-hmm. I wear jeans year-round. Every single day of the year, I wear jeans. I don't care what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to mm. be... I have jeans on, you know. Uh, full-on, 100-degree weather, I'm going to be wearing jeans. No problem. Now, I will say that I'm not a particularly sweaty guy. And so, that that doesn't present as much of a problem for me. Yep. But... Uh, I'll, you know, I'll be wearing jeans all the time. It's just, it's just how, I, how I do things. What did you tell me... Uh, I don't remember when this was when you first said it, but you have a, you have something that stuck with me. Never trust a man wearing shorts. That's right. That's my policy. Never trust a man wearing shorts. If you can see his knees, right? You he, he must must appease them now. <laughs> the well, anyway, yeah, yeah. Brian told me that <clears throat> I'm a shorts guy. So I'm on the opposite of the spectrum, and not only that, I'm proudly wearing my cargo shorts right now. Right. Glenn is wearing a pair of cargo shorts now, right now. Much like the man in the article. Well, I shouldn't say much like. I have, I was trying to think back. Like, I don't think I've bought a pair of cargo shorts in about eight years. So this is impressive that I'm still wearing a yeah. pair of cargo shorts. It really is. I think it's my last pair. Okay. And it's not for... Yes, I, active, I did actively stop buying them because... Yes, but uh, I will. So, in the article that you linked up, the, the Wall Street Journal article, mm-hmm. um, some of the men in the in the article were talking about how that the current style of shorts just suck. 
Okay. They're not as comfortable. They're a lot higher. Mm. You know, it's a little, uh, little kind of 80s-ish, which is back in style and everything. But, right. man, I got creamy white thighs. We can't be, can't be showing those everywhere. They, they, they actually talk to some fashion experts. Yeah. And they say that, you know, basically the guys that are clinging to these shorts oh, yeah. are, are come afraid, on, come they're on. afraid to evolve. Come on. It, that's pretty much they a They can't quote. let go of the past, right? But, well, no, they're afraid to, not, just, I'm just specifically talking about fashion. They're, they, they cannot, they cannot evolve their fashion hmm. stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Now, now I'm, I'm taking this from the guy who hasn't worn... Anything but jeans in the past decade and a half. Jeans are classic. They are classic. I will give you that. Mm-hmm. But, well, I'm not saying cargo shorts are. They're not classic. They are, well, actually, they date back to the 1940s. They're in a classical sense yeah. in terms of historical time periods. Right. But I wouldn't say them as a, 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 a fashion icon. No. Right. No. They're utilitarian. Yeah. And... I think the reason I like them so much, or did like them so much, until this article came out, <clears throat> no, I did like them so much is because I hate sitting on a wallet. Yeah. I can't stand it. Right. And having the wallet on the side pocket is a beautiful thing. We actually had a lot of gentleman members comment on this. <laughs> saw those. <laughs> and the forefront of their concerns was right. a another situation that is even more disturbing mm-hmm. uh, called man capris. Man capris? Yes. Which were like, they looked like capri pants, but they were cargo shorts. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They go down like to here or something. Yeah. I don't know who wears them or why. They had a, they had like a faraway picture of some guy wearing them walking down the street. Yeah. yeah. Well, probably something like these kind of maybe. Yeah. A little sir, bit. Well, yeah. So basically the, 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 the leg come. I mean, the, the pant goes all the way like the shin. Right. <laughs> which is a little bit weird. Um, but the, not, the other yeah. thing that the other guys mentioned was that the pockets are the thing that that keeps them coming back to the cargo short because look, they they you know they hold so much more than than your like jeans pockets would look at right. this in this article you reference brian 1940s right these military men are wearing pants with cargo right. pockets on them absolutely yeah so yeah you got more options you got more options but and when you know. you're going into battle you know and so anyway, so that the uh, gentleman community has spoken about the uh, the abundance. So what I need to do is come up with some jeans that feature more pockets. Denim cargo. Yeah, there you go. You know, maybe a knee pocket. I'm thinking or this is going to end up in like a knee holster. Yeah, a knee holster <laughs> that automatically sewn into the jeans. There you go. Yeah, no, I, I I don't have any. I don't really have any affinity for cargo pants, cargo pants, cargo pockets. Yeah, but it's just that they hold more stuff. I easier. think it's just because they're comfortable that I've had them forever. This reminds me of. <laughs> do you remember um, Carpenter jeans? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love those. That was like a the hammer loop mid nineties. Yep. Yeah. Mid to late nineties. Yeah. Uh, the hammer. Loop. I did have some. I did have some uh, Carpenter jeans and some uh, Doc Martens. I never had any Doc Martens. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't think I did. But cargo jeans. I remember having a pair of them. But the funny thing about that is, I think in like nineteen ninety eight or nineteen ninety nine. I like woke up one morning and I had, you know, I had had pairs of carpenter jeans, you know, mm-hmm. and I looked at them and I was like, these are f- stupid. <laughs> these are stupid. Like, this doesn't make any sense. You had why a watershed I, moment. Yeah. Why am I wearing these? They make no sense. They look dumb. We've I, all been there. And I, you know, they were still like, people were still wearing them and stuff like that. But I like, I was like, this, these, these look really stupid. Yeah. Like, they look ridiculous. Yeah. Like, why, why was I wearing these? So anyway. Well, with one final parting shot, Brian, right. 
retailers are going to make $700 million off of cargo shorts this year. Wow. So They're serving their uh, their market. They, yeah. they, they really are. Somebody out there still buying them. I am kind of amazed that the, the cargo short thing hasn't died. Yes. Like, I still see them in, in magazines, and I'm like, man, I thought these aren't, you know... Like, I'm not the most fashion-forward guy, but... Maybe they're maybe they're <clears throat> making the comeback, you know? It hasn't been, like, 20 90s, years yet. Well, it almost you know, has been. Yeah, it has. You know, mid-90s. So it's been 20 years. See, that's just the thing. You just hang on to something long enough. That's right. It never goes away. That's right. Yeah. I'm at the forefront. You know, Lawrence is a fashionable community. That's true. You'd be, like, whistling Dixie walking down Mass Street, and somebody would be... Some of the hipsters would be like, "Oh yeah. You got some bubble bubble Car- tape in the uh, cargo <laughs> pocket right there? You bet I do. Six feet. Ah, uh, okay. Well, maybe it'll <laughs> no, happen. No, no. <laughs> maybe it'll happen someday. We'll see. Bubble tape. Six feet. Bubble tape. Yeah. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, that's, that means it's time for the last segment of the uh, Gentleman Podcast. And we're going to talk about some questions from the Gentleman Mailbag. And uh, this week I posted, I posted uh, something over to the Gentleman Parlor. Asking for some su- some suggested questions, some feedback that we could talk about on, on the podcast, and I had two questions um, come up. And uh, the first one I want to talk about came from Razorback actually, mm. and uh, he asked me what the average airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow was. Ah. And uh, mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. He didn't specify European or African, so I right. don't know which which one he was talking about. But I do know that a European swallow's airspeed velocity is twenty four miles an hour or eleven meters per second. So wow, yeah, eleven meters per second. That's yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, anyway, I just wanted to answer that question. Okay, uh, these are the kind of things okay. you got to know when you're a gentleman co-founder. You it's know? part of our everyday. Yep, exactly. So anyway, um, so there you go, Razorback. Uh, Twenty-four miles an hour here in the U.S. of a European unladen swallow. Um, the second question we had was from a user named Lerov. Lerov. I think he's, it might be a Swedish user. Okay, Swedish. Larv. 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 But anyway, uh, Glenn, uh, this this user asked us uh, if you had to sell people on why they should visit Lawrence, Kansas, or Kansas in general, mm. what would your pitch be? What's your elevator pitch for well, visiting here, Lawrence or, or, or Kansas in general? Here is what I would say, Brian. In... If you want to visit the mecca of college basketball, you come to Lawrence, Kansas. For two reasons. One, you have the iconic Allen Fieldhouse, which has been debated as to whether it's the best or one of the top handful of sporting venues in the world, which I believe it to be the number one. But that's just me. That's just me. I'm biased. Uh, you know. Uh, but but So you have Allen Fieldhouse, the... Well, let's just say, state of Kansas, Midwest, definitely the best place to watch a basketball game. Um, you also have the original rules of basketball are housed, not but spinning <clears throat> difference. Let's say distance. let's say they're not interested in college basketball. Oh, okay. If they're not interested in college basketball, there's a fine, fine school uh, up in Lawrence called Kansas University, which is empirically the best school in the state of Kansas, if not the entire nation. I'm uh, still working on some facts and figures. Hmm. No, really, that last answer was just a bus Brian's chops. Uh, Lawrence, in in all in all uh, seriousness, has great culture. I think for a town its size and location, the culture is actually. There's a lot of people like me who wear cargo shorts um, hmm. <clears throat> out and about. 
So culture is very important to yep. us. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a, there's an interesting art scene. There's there's lots of you know we have a downtown district which has got lots of great little uh, uh, shops and and restaurants that are unique mm-hmm. and specific to our region. I think it's a beautiful place. I hope I didn't leave anything out, Brian. Yeah. Well, okay. you left some stuff out. Okay. Okay. This is this is why you're here, though. Okay. I want to. I'm going to. I'll do my pitch now. Lariv asked about uh, Kansas or Lawrence in general. Okay. Okay. So um, just keep that in mind. So you, okay, I didn't see that. I didn't see that part of the the uh, part of the question. So so Kansas in general. Right. Okay. Well, I'll let you fill in what I what I missed. I'm sure you'll okay. get it. All right. Here's my here's my thing. Okay. Okay. I, and I can do Lawrence and Kansas both. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, come to Lawrence and come here in the fall. Yeah. Come here in September, October, and Lawrence, Kansas, is the best college town in America. There is great restaurants. There's great culture. Yes. Uh, there's a great vibe about this town. Mm-hmm. And if you come here in fall, it's beautiful weather. Um, you know, you can walk around downtown. It's it's got a, both kind of a small town feel and a little bit of a larger town feel. Yeah. There's a lot of art and culture around mm-hmm. town. That's why I'm here is because I, <laughs> you know, uh, I really appreciate that part of it. Um, but also Kansas in general. If you come here in the fall and you go check out the, it's it sounds crazy, but we have this thing called the Flint Hills, which yep. is like a natural preserve in uh, the the southern part and the the central part of the state. Uh, and in the uh, in the fall, it's absolutely beautiful. It's like you can see for miles and miles and miles around. You so you can drive a couple hours and stop along some uh, place along the way and yeah. just see for days, basically out on beautiful golden plains of of open. Kansas it's gorgeous. Territory. It's it, uh, it yeah. I every every September I go down to something called the Winfield Bluegrass Festival, mm-hmm. and I take the same route all the time because it's not the shortest route. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could get there much quicker if I went on the highway, but I take uh, county roads uh, through the through the tall grass reserve. Yep, and uh, get to see you know the scenery and and appreciate the outdoors a little bit while I'm driving on my journey. Uh, you know, and so it's it's a beautiful area, and especially in fall. And so um, that would be my pitch for for both Lawrence and uh, you. You have nailed it, my friend. The I would also throw in if you go in the spring, you it's such an interesting thing to catch uh, part of the the Flint Hills or the mm-hmm. Kansas Prairie, right. like when they burn the fields. Yeah, that's such a cool sight to see yeah. just fire off in the distance and smoke. It, it sounds goofy, like you said. It sounds weird, right. but crazy. It's hard, to, but, it's hard to describe and hard to imagine. But yeah, the, a little known fact. That Teddy Roosevelt wanted to put Mount Rushmore in the Flint Hills, but the rocks weren't suitable for mm-hmm. for uh, for carving like they were right. in, in uh, South Dakota. So they moved it over there. But well, I think that was why. a poor choice. <laughs> yeah, they would have had a hard time. Right, Just, it wouldn't be here anymore. But neither here nor there. No, Kansas is beautiful. We're we're probably biased. Yeah, you know we're from Kansas. But uh, I'm I'm unbiased. Brian is unbiased. I'm right. biased. Right. But yeah, I, I would agree. Come in the fall where you're not sweating your your nuggets off, and uh, the the peak of summer and the peak of winter are a little bit tough to deal with. A little harsh. So for like 
you know, five weeks of summer and five weeks of winter, it kind of mm-hmm. kind of blows. Yeah. And then every other part of the year is absolutely beautiful. I would agree with that. Um, weather's great, you know. Yeah. Um, Kansas City's a stone throw, stone's throw away from Lawrence. Also, a lot of really cool things, beautiful, right. beautiful things, culture. Right. <clears throat> Surprisingly, who knew that there's culture where we're from, Brian? But I did. You did. That's right, and you did. I. I and do now that. they do. And now everyone knows. Exactly. Now the world knows. Look, I'm just trying yeah. to drive real estate prices up. You know what I mean? I tell you what, Brian. Here's what I'm going to do. This is a little non sequitur. I'm going to vote for the first candidate who visits Kansas. I don't care what their position. Now, now hang on. Candidate that's actually still in the race. Oh. So this may not even happen at right. this point. Maybe Kansas is a swing state. I don't know. I don't know. But I doubt it. <laughs> whoever visits here first, I'm voting for. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's why. That's what I'm doing. Okay. That's, that's, that's how a much good, a... That's a good way to... I'm a, I'm a single issue voter. Right. Whoever comes to Kansas first. <laughs> I'm obviously joking. Sort of. But I might not be. Mm. You never know. Well, I know Trump's listening to this, and yep. probably Hillary. Yep. As you know? So I, they're, they're yeah. probably both on their private jets right now, yeah. like, holy crap, let's Eat, get to Kansas. Eating Kentucky Fried Chicken with yep. uh, forks and knives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but anyway. Oh, man. Well, anyway, so that's my pitch. I say come to Kansas. I'll buy you a beer. We'll go to a basketball game. I. You can have Brian's ticket. Yeah. I'll take you to a basketball game. You will have a religious experience. I, yeah. Mm. Brian, look, we, we root for different teams. This isn't going to be the same for you as it is for me. Well. Or anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Brian, I'll uh, take you to a football game. I'll take you to a K-State football game. I'll take you to a, a KU basketball game, mm-hmm. and you will be complete. Let's see, 50,000 people, how many? 14,000 at a uh, basketball game? At, what, at a basketball? Well, hang on. Hang on. So, 40,000 more people at a K-State football game? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not fair. <laughs> we only seen 14,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn. Well, that's a discussion for after the podcast. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, well, that uh, wraps up episode 94. It's 16,000, by the way. It's done and dusted. 16,300. Done and dusted. That's some inflation number. <laughs> um, <laughs> we finally made it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sainsbury. Thanks for listening, guys, to this episode. We'll be back in two weeks. Check it out in the very near future. Sayonara. <laughs>